Welcome to the Hoopsterdamas podcast. Adam Schellick, we're joined by Gabriel Wilkins. Gabriel, it's been a while. Good to be talking with you. Yeah, it's been a long time, but it's a blessing to always have the honor and, you know, opportunity to talk hoops with you, Adam, as always, man. You know, it's a lot that happened thus far early on in the NBA season. Looking forward to getting into what we got going on today. Likewise, my friend. And before we get into it, I got to let the people at home know, or in the car, wherever you may be, that Gabriel is in first place by six points in our <laughs> fantasy hoops right now. Now, this only happened because I started uh, – we used a sleeper app, so you, you pick one game for each player – your players to start. I started Clay Thompson and Draymond Green in the game. They both got suspended while it was still 0-0. I somehow still got to win that week. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, so we're going to have to talk to Jake uh, Shapiro about that one. Maybe we'll have him on sometime soon. Uh, but – just wildness, but uh, hey, I got to tip the cap to you. You've done a great job uh, drafting and managing your team. Yeah, I, I, I got to tip my cap to myself on that one too, man. I had a last overall pick because y'all made it kind of difficult for me. But hey, that that was that was a cool position to be in. I'm not gonna lie, because it forced me to be on top of my game. So it's early on, still a lot of season left. So it's cool right now, but you know a lot could change. Yeah, a lot of season and a lot of really, really good teams. I think they're, you know, 12-team league, and I think there's probably six pretty legitimate contenders, uh, four teams that I'm afraid of, myself <laughs> being one of those four. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, talking about the reality of basketball today, though, uh, and the reality is that the Minnesota Timberwolves are 10-3 and three in first place in the Western Conference, and, you know, we were chatting up a little bit before the season started, even uh, after game one for the Timberwolves. And I remember texting you and I was saying, Gabe, I, I don't know about this team right now. You know, I see the vision, but this is sloppy basketball. That was a bad loss to uh, the Raptors. Uh, but here they are at 10 and three unbeaten on their home court. And uh, it's, it's kind of cool to see these uh, this team that, uh, my colleague, another league mate of ours, uh, Ryan Bolin, calls the pups. I texted him the other night. I said, the pups are no puppies. <laughs> These are definitely puppies no more. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the Wolves so far? Impressive start. Man, what I like what I'm seeing out of Minnesota right now is just how the group has come together as a collective. And I think a large part of it is due to the overall depth that this team has. Right. You know, they, they got rid of a couple guys like Torian Prince, but they were able to add and acquire and fill voids such as like with Troy Brown Jr., Shake Milton off the bench to replace Jalen Noel. And all of the moves that Minnesota's front office has made, it was all about like fine-tuning and rounding out the edges a little bit with their bench. And this team right now, they look a lot deeper than they ever have been before. And, and like considering ever. Yeah, literally right. ever. Yeah, and, and and considering that they needed to bolster their bench after last year, and even though you know, just over ten games in, you've seen a couple flaws, but the issues are minor because the defense has stepped up for them, and I think that's yeah. been the biggest difference. Rudy Gobert, I feel like he's playing with a more refreshed energy since being reunited with Mike Conley Jr. We know that those two go back all the way to Utah playing together, and Mike Conley Jr. has been a, a, a steady presence. In that locker room, not only as a vet, but as a as a lead guard, 
and pick and roll situations, playing turnover free basketball, might I add, for the most part. And then the 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 biggest win to me for the Timberwolves this season when they came back from being down to win and pull out a game in the Big Easy in New Orleans. You had Anthony Edwards had a real rough game this past weekend where he shot nine to nineteen. Carl Anthony Towns rose to the occasion, man. Hit a big time shot, game winning shot. I just like the way that Chris French has these guys coming together. And then I haven't even gotten to Jaden McDaniels and what he's able to do as a three and D wing player, continuing to grow as a sin each and every year in the league. I'm curious to see how far this team can go because they got some size and they got some depth that they have not had in the last couple of years in which they went to the playoffs. Yeah. You know, one guy I want to throw in there is Kyle Anderson. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I really liked about Kyle Anderson, especially starting to kind of see this down the stretch last year, was he provides a lot of just really important versatility and kind of stabilizes that bench. And mm -hmm. uh, there was a game last year against – it was actually the game Rudy Gobert uh, gets ejected from. Uh, Rudy Gobert – or he was sent home. It was the game where him and um, – him and Kyle Anderson. Yeah, they got into yeah, it. I remember got into it. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, Chris Finch, who is a master adjuster, both both in-game and long-term, master adjuster Chris Finch, they were kind of having a, a ton of trouble, and that's why the frustrations boiled over in that game. I think it was literally game 82 against the Pelicans. Yep. And then they went with Kyle Anderson at center. And, you know, people wouldn't really think of Kyle Anderson as a center till maybe these last couple, I don't know, since Chris Finch started to kind of do this stuff. But, like, this is a guy who is strong and long, passes well, is a switchable defender, and he may be slow motion, but he's very high IQ on both sides of the floor. And I think when you add a guy like that and mix him into what's, for the most part, a pretty young team, uh, even even Carl Anthony Towns, he's been around the block now, but he came in so young. It's not like he's very long in the tooth either. And so you you bring him in and you stabilize a lot of things. You add a really good passer, and um, like I said, that switchable defender. And, and so I think he's a key piece. And then just kind of what I envisioned going all the way back to the Rudy Gobert trade, which you know I'm not going to lie to anybody here. I've been a little bit back and forth on that because there were times when I was like, oh, this was a good trade. There were times where I was like, this is a bad trade. Right now, I'm leaning towards it being a good trade. Um, they gave up a haul, but hey, right now they're 10-3, and three, first place in the Western Conference. That's why you make that trade, to be that kind of team. But when you look at the rest of the Western Conference, and the team I'm going to single out is the Golden State Warriors, this team kind of like as a counter riddle, if you will, to the riddle that is to be solved by the Warriors, the, the challenges they present. This is a team with crazy length and a lot of athleticism, but they're not slow. And sometimes you get those those teams, like you can think back a few years ago to the Pistons with uh, Greg Monroe and Andre Drummond and Josh Smith. That's not going to work. You're, yeah, you're super big, but you're slow. Right. You know? But to have Rudy Gobert... Carl Anthony Towns, uh, you throw in Kyle Anderson here and there, you got Jaden McDaniels starting at the three, and you have the athleticism, which makes 
Anthony Edwards longer than he actually is, like as far as his stature goes, the bounce this guy has, his ability to block shots, play the passing lanes. I think he might be literally the most athletic defender at the wing spot, like as far well at the, at the two guard in the NBA. Like I'm not saying he's the best defender; he's getting better and better. But the dude's a really good defender. And then you got Mike Conley, and you kind of look at that starting five, and then you throw in the Kyle Anderson in uh, the Nas Reed off the bench, and it's yeah. that team has the pieces to make things really hard for a team that wants to play small like the Warriors. And then you say, okay, well, wow, how would they do against the Nuggets? Well, they got the length to give Jokic some serious problems. They have the length to disrupt passing lanes. And so I I feel like what they did, it's, uh, it's kind of this like counterculture, if you will, to what a lot of teams do well out West and it's a team to that's designed to give other teams problems and kind of have this identity of their own. And I saw the vision, but this is the first time I'm seeing it come to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's how I feel when I watch them. And, and you talk about what's impressed you the most with them. I tell you another thing that's impressed me the most with them is their ability to close out games late. This is a team that was able to pull out valiant wins against the likes of a Boston Celtics squad. This was a team that early on thus far in the year annihilated Denver when they came into the target center. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was very impressed with that performance. And that was the game, honestly, where I was like, okay, they're really trying to grow and take that next step. Now, when you talk about how big and long they are, I feel like in 2020, a few years ago when the Lakers took the championship down in a bubble with the likes of a JaVale McGee, a Dwight Howard in the interior, you know, and then they had Kyle Kuzma on the wing and Caruso. They show how wings and having long wings and bigs that were able to switch out on a perimeter and defend on top of being able to protect the rim is important in today's day and age in order to win in the NBA. I think you're going to see a lot of teams start to go big. And we, we saw that with the Lakers. And I think they following in that blueprint a little bit where you they 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 like they they want to play big and long and it's paying significant dividends for them. And then you talk about Anthony Edwards and his defense. I think it's just his effort. Yeah. I don't I've never I've never seen this dude give up on a single play at all on the yeah. defensive end. And he takes the challenge on every night of guarding not only the best player, but doing whatever it takes to get his 25 the 28 points a night when he's really going. Yeah. And I'd like to see him just get a little more consistent, not to say he isn't. I mean, the guy is, I think at worst right now, the third best shooting guard in the NBA, but I think you can make a real good case that he's number one. And uh, I don't want to get into that, you know, because that's, that's at that point we're getting talking to SGAs or talking about some of the, the best, of the best, the Devin Bookers, but he's right up there with the best. And I just like him to get a little bit more consistent with the three-point shot. Um, I remember last year my issue with him, which has been a little bit better this season, was when they would put the ball in his hands as far as, like, kind of being the unofficial point guard at times. Mm -hmm. He couldn't really handle that. Like, he wasn't necessarily sinking, but he wasn't really thriving either. And uh, he, he's done better to clean that up. 
I think the whole thing's just like gelling. And, you know, uh, I was lucky enough to cover a couple games last year for work. And when I was in the press conferences with Finch, the thing that seemed to always come up was like, is it working with Rudy and Kat? And he would say, well, they've hardly played any games together, you know? And so like, it, it was kind of a knee jerk reaction by basketball culture at large to say that it wasn't working. Like realistically, you need time for those big pieces to gel. You know, I would imagine it's kind of like getting a hip replacement. You're not just going to get up and start walking. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's a true. massive piece that's going into your body. Your body right now is the basketball team. If you got a damn brand new hip, you're going <laughs> to take some time for that thing to little, literally settle in. I remember when my dad got hip surgery and he said, he, you know, he walks great now. He's very mobile, but like that guy could hardly move for a while, you know? And now this Timberwolves team, they got their hip replacement, you know, and I feel like they're starting to roll, starting to move. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely moving and they moving in the right direction. Anytime you second in defensive rating, and then not only are you second in defensive rating, but you're bolstering one of the best offenses in basketball or you, you're middle of the pack, you, you always going to have a chance to win. I think with Anthony Edwards, you know, everybody talks about how he can improve as a three-point shooter. And I understand that, but when you're able to get to the rim it will the way that he is yeah. and you get yeah. into the line, it kind of makes up for it. And then not to mention his his ability to, to knock down shots off the pull-up, you know, and off the bounce, man, is, 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 is second to none. So I think that's going to come over time. I think that's something that he's working at, and I know that's something that he's working at. He's only going to continue to get better. Like, just seeing him live – He's one of the few players, and I'm not BSing when I say this, like I don't mind playing the full price of admission to go watch him play in an NBA game. And I had the privilege, to, you know, to get a lot of tickets, you know, compensary or whatever like that, you know, and, and for the for, for free or whatever. But, like, when you see this man, he's worth the full price of admission every single day of the week when he's really on and he's healthy and he's going. Yeah, I mean, pure entertainment value. It's a very short list if there's anybody even in front of them, like, and let me ask you that, like, who is more entertaining to see in person than Anthony Edwards at this point is because it's a short list. It's a very short list. I mean, for me, I, me personally, I say Giannis. Yeah. You know, I, I started traveling about five, six years ago to see Giannis two times a year play. And that, and that's worth the price of a mission, especially when you see him getting on the break and, making plays happen and, and attacking the rim, going downhill. Nobody's messing with him. And it, it's been so many games I've seen Giannis play live. You you wonder if, you know, his shot was – like if he had a shot of a Steph Curry, Ooh. he could get like 50 a night. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like even at the free throw line. Like I, I've seen Giannis leave points at the line, and it's wild. Like you like he's leaving points at the line, but he still finished the night with like 45. Yeah. And then he had like 20 and 8. You know, a guy like Kevin Durant who – could get his shot on, you know, off the dribble or off pin down screens, you name it. Like you look up when you watch Kevin Durant play, he'll have like 20 by halftime. Yeah. It don't matter who he's playing, you know, when he's really on and he's in and he's in his flow. So that high those release. Me and my is, top guys. Uh, yeah, I, I would say uh definitely two of the first guys that came to my mind as well. Uh Jokic in a much different way, because he's someone that like 
some some of my friends just straight up don't like him. Some of the guys in our league don't like him. Uh, you know who you are if you're listening. <laughs> but like, he's not the freak athlete. It's just like for me, I love beautiful passing. Like I've always been a, a guy. Like I used to love Ricky Rubio. You know, guys like that are just really entertaining for me. Even like old Larry Bird highlights when he when he's passing the ball, Magic Johnson was dishing it. Uh, Pippen and Jordan when they're dishing it, you know, uh, that's just fun for me. Guys like Stockton, whatever. So Jokic, definitely up there. Um, LeBron James and a lot of that, oh, yeah. you know, like it's it's the feeling of it's like you're at a national park. You know what I mean? You're You're like standing on hollow ground and you're witnessing beauty. And, you know, you're witnessing like LeBron, it's like, or like maybe a museum, you're like, wow, this is like, this is the sword King Arthur used to kill that dragon. You know what I mean? You're like, this <laughs> this dude's got 39,000 points. This, you know, um, in the nostalgia that I'm starting to get, like with LeBron, because uh, I was in fourth grade when he came into the league, you know, <laughs> this dude's in year 21. And so <clears throat> the entertainment value that comes along, <clears throat> excuse me, with the history with a guy like LeBron is uh, pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, and I think this is a good time to transition. We said we're going to talk about little LeBron James. This dude last night, today is uh, Wednesday, November 22nd, day before Thanksgiving. Last night, LeBron became the only guy ever to hit 39,000 points. And Gabriel, I think he, he could hit 40. I think he could hit 40 before it's all said and done. Ain't no, ain't no thinking about it. I think he's got it in the bag at this point. <laughs> you know, any anytime you you playing the way that he's playing in the month of November right now, it's truly phenomenal. And this man has been in the league since I was 10 years old. And I had the privilege of only seeing LeBron play one time in my life, and it was his rookie season. And to see him continuing to go this hard, at the age of 38 years old, soon to be 39, it's insane. I think. I was looking at a stat the other day where in the month of November, LeBron James has shot 50% or greater from the floor in every single contest. He's averaging 26, eight and nearly seven dimes a game right now. And he's shooting nearly 60% from the floor. And this is a guy that is been in the league so long. He's raised the generation of hoopers besides. Him. Yeah. And he's, he's dominating them. You know, and some of these guys he played against their fathers. You know, and, and, yeah. And, and, and I said it a couple years ago when we had the privilege of doing shows together early on that LeBron was transitioning from being a young man in the league to the elder statesman. I don't know what you call him now, but he he's truly been a timeless great. And for him to get 39,000 points, it just it's a testament to the work that he's put in the commitment that he's had to the game, and also the grind. You know, we talk about it all the time, how much money this man has invested in his body, training with Mike Mancius and the like over the years. You're seeing it pay off in full fruition. Is he able to do the things like he used to in Miami? No. But he's rounded out his game like fine wine. You know, think about when he came into the league, it was always questions about his three-point shot. Yep. He got that in the bag now. Yeah. I mean, 
I'll take it a step further. It's not just a testament to all that, but it's a testament to literal human evolution in the evolution oh, for of sure. the athlete. <laughs> I mean, this guy to be this old and like the only dude I can remember in our lifetime who was this good, this old, but like probably wasn't as good as LeBron is right now was, was Mike, Mike with the wizards. And who knows with like, if Mike doesn't retire and stuff, you know, like it's a completely different trajectory and it's like not really a super clean comparison based on that. Cause you have one guy who's like, on the Wizards and kind of playing Jackie Moon a little bit for that team, while you have LeBron, who's kind of played Jackie Moon a lot of his career anyway, you know, as far as like being a guy who's pulling the strings and whatnot. But, you know, the Wizards were never contending for a championship, while the Lakers are very much in the mix. And, you know, people love to hate on them. People love to hate on uh, the Los Angeles Lakers and say that they're not in the mix, but you know, they're only two games out of first place. They're nine and six at the sixth spot right now. But the fact that LeBron James at this age is doing 26, eight and seven. And like, it, it makes you wonder, like, when will he like actually slow down? Because by this point, Kobe I mean, shoot, was Kobe even in the league? How old was Kobe when he retired? Like 37? I believe so. Kobe retired in 16. I believe Kobe, Kobe, he did 20 years, I know, because he's class of 96. Yeah. Kobe had to be about like 37, but he wasn't, in year 20, he wasn't going as strong as Bron was. No. And, and, and I think what you see with, too. yeah, and, and I think what you're seeing with Bron he's kind of become the NBA's version of Tom Brady. You wondering how yeah. far he could push it. Like Brady yeah. retired at 45, but he was still out there throwing for 3,000, 4,000 plus yards and even 5,000 in, in a couple years in his 40s. Like you wonder how, how far he could continue to push it. And I know that's what he's thinking. He has to be thinking that way because he he's staying motivated. And you can tell just through the social media, like he he pays attention to what's going on. And, and that's what I've always liked about LeBron. No matter the times, he's always stuck with the times and he's always evolved with the times as far as his game and the way in which he plays. And that's why he'll always be a timeless great mind. When you're talking about the GOAT conversation, how important is this longevity? Or is it about being the most dominant during your prime? Like, what is, I feel like everyone kind of has a different definition and that's why it's always so debated. But the three guys I'm thinking about right now are Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. and LeBron James. Kareem played forever. LeBron is so much better than Kareem was at this juncture of Kareem's career. And, you know, Mike only played 15 seasons, really. Yeah. Uh, he was the most dominant since Bill Russell in like the, at the height of his powers to essentially win, you know, he, he won six and eight calendar years, but in basketball years, he pretty much won six and seven and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, but what, how do you kind of weigh that when you're making your decision is like, who is the goat, the longevity versus dominance? What's your equation? It's a little bit of both, but I, I got to respect longevity, especially when you're doing it at the level in which LeBron James is doing it. 
because I haven't ever seen this in my life as an NBA fan. And we're talking about a guy who is easily going to retire with over 40,000 points should he, you know, continue to stay healthy, 10,000-plus rebounds and 10,000-plus assists. Man, like, who who's done that? No that's a that's a you know that's a career that's a career triple double right there. That like to be able to say that I've I've done all of that and I've left my impact on the game. Like we, we're talking about a guy that has played in multiple NBA finals, went to eight straight, and in one of those NBA finals, he led all players in the NBA finals in points, rebounds, and assists. Like yeah. you know that that's hard to do. Like LeBron is somebody who is the all-time league scorer in the NBA. And I'm not going to say he was never regarded as a scorer. Because in my opinion, I always thought LeBron James could score with the best of them. It just wasn't the greatest quality of his game. It was always right. his passing ability. And I think oftentimes we were so enamored with the passing ability that we overlooked his ability to score. Despite I mean, it not always being the most flashy way. He was always on those highlights. Yeah, you know, he, all right, he always on the highlights and he always was able to make impressive plays, you know, with his athletic ability. But now he's found a way to transition and evolve as a player. And he's showing you that it's more than just athleticism that has made me the great player that I am today. But I, I look at longevity. Longevity matters. Because when you're doing what he's doing in year 21, and no disrespect to Kareem, because Kareem is an underregarded great. And, and to yeah. me, he's a guy, if you put all the body of work together, if you say he was the greatest player of all time, I can't argue with you, especially if you saw a live up close and in person. But when I look at LeBron and what he's doing right now, that longevity has to mean something. It has to mean something. And I, I think also you just got to keep in mind with guys like Kareem and MJ, like LeBron does have the benefit of modern science, just plain and simple. You know, like these guys, there's so much more knowledge available about like nutrition and how to take care of your body and just plain sports science. And uh, LeBron is a freak of nature. How quickly he came back from that injury last year when he was supposed to be done for the year is a prime example of that. Uh, but MJ and Kareem, I mean, they probably would have played longer too if they had access to that kind of things. And some other things with uh, Jordan as well. There was some other issues within the front office. You all have seen The Last Dance. I'm not going to get into it. But speaking of Last Dance... We got one more topic to touch on, and it is a sad topic, my friend. Um, you know, a couple of Bulls fans here, you know, kind of growing up on that team. It's a sad state of affairs for the Chicago Bulls. The trade winds are blowing, uh, or rumors are swirling. The winds of trade, whatever you want to call it, it, it might be time to blow it up in Chicago. Five and ten. Uh, six and a half games back out of first, but it, it's very early in the season to be that far back. Under 500 at home, four and six, just one and four on the road. And it's it's bad. Like, it's, it's uh, hard to watch at times. Like, leave the numbers out of it. Like, the Bulls have been a hard team for me to watch. I remember a few weeks ago saying, like, Man, I'd rather be the Orlando Magic. Well, lo and behold, the Orlando Magic beat them consecutively, uh, 96-94, and then 103-97 not too long ago. And and here we are. The, Zach Levine in all these trade rumors. Um, team without an identity. And uh, it's a team that really hasn't had an identity since 
Lonzo Ball, and it's just kind of like that uh, that fruit you left in the refrigerator, you know? And, like, it's just slowly getting moldy at this point, and you wonder, when do I throw this in the garbage? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's well put, well said, Adam. I, I think it's, it's almost time to put it in the garbage. I, I think that it's, the time has come for the Bulls to seriously consider rebuilding this roster. They, yeah. they they don't have an identity offensively. This team is not in sync with one another. And I think the loss of Lonzo Ball over these last two and a half years is really showing itself because he was always the pace setter. Yeah. He was the guy that could get Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan in the spots in which they needed to be in in order to execute and be at their most effective and efficient level of scores. And now that you don't have that, you have an offense that's in the flux. And then the defense last year, According to the metrics, they were top 10 defense, but it never appeared to be that way when you think about the lapses in communication, the yeah. lack of communication thereof, which led to a lot of open shots in three point from three-point land for opposing teams who, when they were on, were burying them left and right. I well, just Patrick see it. Beverly was a big part of that too. And they let him Yeah, go. yeah, you know, and 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 I think yeah, he was one of the biggest reasons why they made a, a last-minute push to get in that play-in round yeah. last year. But I, I just see a team that's disjointed. Yeah, I see a team that knows things aren't right. And I see young players such as Patrick Williams, who I still believe in and his ability to show tremendous promise, his, is like he's taking a back seat. Because yeah. he's gone from being a guy that was able to showcase some of his abilities to now he's the fourth or fifth option. And he's asking himself, hey, where do I fit in? Am I am I a player off the bench or am I a starter? I don't know. It seems like that's really hurt his confidence. Yeah. It's like we've seen him aggressive from time to time. But at this point, and, and let me just get this out of the way. Chicago is a hard place to play for any sport. Absolutely. I think it might be the hardest city to play in. Because our standards are a championship, and we have no patience. And yep. it's a toxic <laughs> fan base. I hate to say it, but it's a straight-up toxic fan base. Sometimes you even got some toxic sports media as far as the way like they treat teams. Mm -hmm. It's not fair, and it's not consistent. And But it's, it's a city where you got to win, and if you do win, they will love you. And they will love you, and they will support you harder than any other sports city just about. But the patience is up. And that seat's getting really hot for Billy Donovan. And so now as a Bulls fan, it's like I, I was at this place where it's like, okay, well, like, let's just stabilize it, right? Now I'm at this place where, like, get the bulldozer. Knock <laughs> this building over. Let's start it all over. And when I'm kind of looking at these – tweets about who might be interested in Zach Levine. Man, I don't want him going to the Lakers because we're not going to get the right pieces back. The team that interests me the most is the Charlotte Hornets. I know why you're saying it. It's it's because I want a good draft pick, you know? <laughs> like, I think – and I think the Bulls could benefit by, like, even if you get rid of Levine and DeRozan. I, I like Kobe, and I, I'm – Interested enough to see what Pat has when he's like actually allowed to be more of a focal point. Me but too. I'm okay with the Bulls being bad if that means like actually getting something that makes sense. 
this made sense with Lonzo. It doesn't make sense right now. Lonzo probably is done. I hate to say it. It's just not looking great for him. And at this point, you got to kind of plan for the future without him. But why do you think I'm saying Charlotte Hornets? Because the draft pick or just something else? I tell you why Charlotte would be an ideal trading partner for the Bulls. Look at what Mark Williams is doing. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but I always said when he was coming out of Duke, Adam, that the big, the, the three best fits for Mark Williams in his professional career would either be with the Charlotte Hornets, the Chicago Bulls, or the Dallas Mavericks. Because at the time, those three had solid lead guards, and two out of those three teams have solid lead guards who compare well with him in a pick-and-roll game, which is what he excels at. You see him right now put up 12 and 10. He's leading the league in field goal percentage last time. I checked shooting over 70% from the floor and he's a guy that could be an immediate help defensively as a rim protector and a big man that could provide the bulls with some athleticism at the five spot that and they at have that point you get Vucevic out of there too yeah and or if you want if you want you could play Vooch at the four as a as a as a floor spacer and then put Mark Williams at the five but if I'm if I'm Charlotte I don't I don't want Zach Levine if I'm Charlotte because if I'm Charlotte, I need to build around LaMelo Ball and Brandon Miller and Mark Williams as my core. And I believe that I have the ability to do that if I'm Mitch Kupchak, a guy that's drafted re rather well. But if he's able to flip Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier for some assets and some other young players and, and then get another top five pick to add a wing, such as a Ron Holland from G League Ignite, they can really go on and do some great things. I could see Rozier and uh, Hayward being part of a Levine package. You know, Hayward's got yeah, a massive contract, be. but it's expiring. Right. And Hayward, like, he's a guy who would fit a lot better with DeRozan, I think, than Zach Levine. Uh, just because they're not, like, Hayward's proven to be a pretty versatile player who's played with a lot of other players who are frankly better than him especially yeah. going back to the Boston days. But he's a guy who can play either forward position, and you can kind of like let DeRozan, just let him play that 2-3 and let play Hayward play that 3-4. Rozier would restore a lot of that feistiness that the Bulls needed the point guard position. And then you can kind of piecemeal that together by, you know, Caruso, White, and Rozier. So I would kind of like something like that. And if they get Mark Williams, I like – all the better if, if, if you're getting mark williams back then i don't know how much uh like that would be a hell of a package and i don't know what kind of market levine commands right now um getting a little low on time here but uh anyone else as far as like trade partners or things that you could see the bulls doing uh as far as making some moves here sacramento would be an interesting trade partner for for zach levine when you think about it, like you could probably get a, a player like Kevin Herter. You could probably get a Harrison Barnes with a couple draft picks, and that'd be a solid move. Um, Philadelphia 76ers is another team that comes to mind. I'd even say the Dallas Mavericks come to mind, especially when you talk about Alex Caruso. What if I was able to get you a player like Jaden Hardy back with like a second-round pick in – a Josh Green, like that could work. Yeah, I, th I think the main thing is as long as they're getting young assets back. Absolutely. 
young assets or like Hayward's an expiring contract. You know what I mean? Something that gets you out of the position you're in for, for the Bulls right now. Do you put blame on, and this is the last question I got for you, and I'm sorry mm-hmm. it's so loaded, but do you put blame on the front office for what's happened? Do you think that there needs to be a change with Acme? Um, I'm not going to say that you need to change and swap them out, but yes, they do deserve blame because they decided to remain pat with their group without really making significant upgrades or changes to it. Because outside of Tory Craig and Javon Carter, when in the last couple of years, who did you really bring in here yeah. as far as new faces are concerned? Yeah, you traded for Pat Beverly, but you didn't resign him. Yeah. And then you got Javon Carter, but you don't even really play Javon Carter in as much as you you thought you would. Like, if I'm Javon Carter, I'm kind of wondering why did I even sign here outside of wanting to come back home and play near my, my friends and family from the West Suburbs and Maywood, you know, around Proviso East where I attended high school. Like, I'm, I'm wondering, like, what, what direction are we going as a ball club? And that's the question. What is the direction? And that's where we'll leave it for now. Uh, great talking with you. Great uh, chopping it up as always. And we'll have to do it again. We'll have to do it again soon when uh, more of these chips fall into place. And uh, keep an eye on some of these storylines. There are always more things to talk about in the NBA as well. Uh, thank you, uh, Gabe, for joining me. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time on Hoops for Thomas.